Great teams work together like a hive of bees, through a universal understanding of individual roles and accountability. Yet despite research showing that teams which focus on collective goals outperform more individualistic cultures, there's a part of us that can all too often get in the way of making that happen. We chat with Kvirin Schweikover from Made Comfy about combating one of our most natural human traits, our ego. Now, if you hear any outdated references in this podcast, it's because we recorded this a little while ago before the pandemic hit. Despite that, a lot of the lessons that Kvirin gives us are still very applicable to the pandemic today and can help us navigate through it to reach tomorrow. From the team at Helix, I'm Tim Mullen. This is the science of us. A podcast about who we are, how we behave, and why. Great. So today I am here with Kieran, and I'm not going to try and pronounce your last name because I stuffed it up even though I practiced it a thousand times on the way here. Um, from Made Comfy. Uh, Kvirin, welcome to the show. Maybe you can start by saying your last name just so the audience actually knows what it is. You know, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is uh, Kvirin Schweikhofer. Excellent. A very German name. And that's why I didn't pronounce it. Yeah. So, uh, but you're from a business, firstly, I mean, thank you for joining us uh, on the show. Uh, you're from a business called Made Comfy that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, for those out there who don't know what Made Comfy is, could you just maybe walk us through what's it all about? Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, well, at Made Comfy, um, we are a four-year-old business. Um, what we do is we manage properties on the short-term rental market under the Made Comfy brand. For property owners, that means um, um, better returns and, and the flexibility to use the properties. Australians love their properties, so it's about really experiencing that. And then for guests to have uh, a more liberal living um, experience um, uh, when they stay somewhere for like uh, three, four, five days or a week um, where you're able to continue uh, your habits like you, your cooking habits, your, your health habits. You can uh, invite people in. You don't sit awkwardly on the bed working on a PowerPoint with your colleague, but on a table. Um, and yeah, our properties are Instagrammable. So something that you really uh, talk about and enjoy staying in more than our hotel or our service department. Very cool. Very cool idea. Where did that idea come from? How did you, how did you come up with it? I like often these things happen um, out of a problem. I uh, um, used to uh, live in a nice flat back then when I had a corporate job uh, in Cremorne and um, I had my first startup and needed to reduce my uh, cash burn um, and I put my place on Airbnb and I thought that this is smart. Um, It was great, it worked, um, but uh, I made money but I really couldn't manage it and um, that's when I met Sabrina, my co-founder, she was helping me to uh, turned my main cave into something a bit more nicer and uh, revenue went up. That was like, oh my God, this is great. Yeah. But we still really had issues to manage it. And um, kind of all short, we realized this is huge. So now coming over um, to Australia with Airbnb and growing and growing and growing and really creating a new ecosystem for um, uh, yeah businesses like ours. Um, and um, no one was doing it here. And um, we thought, okay, let's give it a shot. Fantastic. Because yeah. it does seem like it's a, a very, very... 
fast growing sector in general. I mean, the number mm. of people that want to obviously make some more money out of their properties on the side, it's, it's like everything really. Everybody who has an asset wants to mm. do more with it. I mean, have you noticed such a, a huge amount of growth over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, like um, on the one hand side, um, there are around 80,000 uh, empty properties in New South Wales alone. Wow. So that's one thing. Then you've got uh, now over 100,000 properties on Airbnb. Um, so um, a lot of people doing it themselves really are like me, struggling with it. And then you have all these empty properties that really should be used and utilized. And you have um, in Australia, we are really lucky that a lot of people want to come here uh, and uh, experience Australia. And um, if you add this all up, it's just a growing, growing sector. It's very expensive to build on time intensive to build hotels. And this is sort of currently fueling um, our growth. Uh, yeah, I mean, to that point about growth, so how's it been going since you first started? What was it sort of like from the first days of setting up the business to where you are now? <laughs> you, you Google how to set up a business. <laughs> <laughs> then you, you Google um, so many things. Um, you do everything at the beginning. Um, you have to be really uh, crazy, ignorant, and um, uh, really um, very... You need to have a lot of endurance to, to really continue because everyone tells you, oh, that won't work, or... Oh, that's great, but uh, anyone can do it. And you really have to believe in yourself and going uh, to that kind of bit, um, be very confident that you do it. And uh, it's really, really difficult. Um, but um, yeah, with um, uh, when you realize that people like what you do and you listen to your customers and you realize, hey, there is something in it, um, then yeah, you, you see things grow and mm. um, suddenly you look back and you think like, oh my God, what happened? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah now a team. Um, and what was yeah. that? What was that point? What, when did you realize there was something in this that it was turning from a, an idea to actually a real business? Um, when we looked at the money that came in, yeah. and really uh, we got um, our first customer within a week of putting the website up, Amazing. and then we got two straight referrals. Um, and we still, still talk about uh, Julieta was her name, and with a two-bedroom house in Pennington, and uh, we financed her um, honeymoon uh, with that, and. Uh, when she came back, um, she flew business class. She didn't save the money. She upgraded her flight and was super happy. And then we had uh, two more customers. And um, yeah, really were revenue strong from the beginning. And we realized really, um, and I took a photo of us in a, in a shared office where it was five of us. And I thought, like, wow, we have a big team now. And I took a selfie of us. And it's still in, um, in, uh, in our value book, um, that moment when we realized, wow, we are... Uh, a team at least um fantastic and um yeah that's when we sort of realized there's more you know that's when we started to raise capital as well to and, accelerate that. and so how many people are you now from that moment when you were five to to where you are today yeah uh, so now we are um, a team of over 100 um which is um around 50 people um that are here in australia um, employed here and um, then we have a support team uh, in the philippines in manila it's all around the gas communication um, and making sure we are there 24-7. And then we have another offshore team um, that is helping us on the accounting side. And um, they're all made comfy and uh, they all need to be aligned in uh, what we want to achieve and what they want to um, get out of their lives. Fantastic. Yeah. And so when if we talk about the people now and when you are building such a, a fast-growing, successful startup, there's obviously not a lot of margin for error that you have as you do that. Um, obviously, of course, when building a startup, there is lots of error as you sort of grow. Um, but you know, when it comes to executing on that vision, how have you actually gone about creating a team that can help you deliver on that today? That's a great question. It's always better to look back than when someone asks you in the moment, what are you doing? Um, so looking back, um, what we've done really well, um, uh, we got some really great advice from a couple of our 
um, early investors, um, the um, founders of Amazem, um, that was around culture and values first. Um, and that's been based on their experience, um, their failures and their successes. And uh, so what we've done is, um, Zubin and I uh, looked into what are our core values that really, um, that are us and defining us. Um, and they looked at what are the core values of our industry and then what are the core values to our goal that we want to get to. And then we found that um, um, sort of common area and we um, set our values um, that we still have today and I think we will never change them, um, yeah. which is agility, um, empowerment, trust and wow. And uh, nice. even though it sounds a bit funny at times, this is really what we believe in. And um, yeah, since then, um, we have been recruiting and training and living by those values. So it's basically the, the fabric of how you operate. You know, when you hire, mm -hmm. do you actually sort of see how people align to those specific values that you have? Yeah, it is, it is about um, being able to, to, to hire the right, the right heart. Um, and uh, you can learn skills, um, you can't learn values. Um, that's my belief. Um, if, uh, if you are working with us, like talking about this, you, you need to be agile, for example, you need to be happy with change, you need to be willing to swim in deep waters, you need to um, be empowered to own your, 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 your space. Um, people need to be able to then trust you um, that when you make a mistake, that you're open about that, that we reflect that and learn from that and say, okay, let's do it better next time. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, the wow, we, we, we always want to deliver this kind of um, extra um, um, level of a buff. And we're big fans of Disney and, um, um, and Zappos and uh, what they've done is amazing. And um, that's always been an inspiration uh, to us. Yeah. And uh, it's important we really aim for that. And uh, when we recruit, people need to like feel when we say these things, they need to feel like, yeah, that is that is me. I, I love this. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the the the, the yeah, first most important part when we when we awesome. people start make comfy. Awesome. And I think w with what a lot of the work that we do around specifically understanding different personalities and um, Katarina, who we've had on the show before, talks a lot about the, the hidden personalities that people have. Uh, it's one. That, it's obviously one thing to look at the values that you have, mm. but people obviously have very different personalities. So, how have you managed that with that growth as well, with the matching to the values, but obviously all of the other intricate parts that come with that? That's a, a very good question, and um, I'm sort of uh, smiling a little bit because everyone is different. That's number one, um, and uh, everyone has their sort of uh, own ego. Um, I think um, when you work in a startup, um, you need to. Um, uh, have ego. So if you look at the definition of ego, um, the sort of um, awareness of your self-esteem uh, um, and self-confidence, um, because it's always uphill, it is never downhill. And if it's downhill, it's dangerous, um, I would yep. say, in the startup. Um, um, you need to be able to be confident in yourself. Um, but of course, there is this balance between confidence and arrogance um, and overconfidence um, being, meaning that you overestimate yourself. And uh, um, this is where then um, we as leaders and founders need to be there to guide people and help them to um, yeah, simply reflect and give them feedback when something didn't happen as, uh, as they maybe thought, that yep. they overestimated themselves or that they think that, um, uh, that they're better than others. And um, yep. I think this is important to be then able to have open conversations and that um, people are open for feedback. And that is something you realize very quickly if someone... Uh, is open to that. That's maybe something you really can't uh, always figure out in, in an interview. I would love to, um, yeah. but sort of where we are at the moment, it's something we try to pick up in the interview. Other than that, it comes so 
very early um, in yeah. the process when you give someone feedback the first time and you see their reaction and yeah yeah and how i mean have there been some tough situations where you have provided that feedback and the other person hasn't taken it well and that's then led to i guess a, a bit of a change definitely um um i would love to say we are still the same team that sort of started um I was compared a little bit um, when you, um, you compare startups um, with professional sport. I think it's a very similar thing. Yep. Um, you have you have a team that is in League Five um, that is very different to the team in League uh, One or the Premier League, and um, you need uh, you need different uh, characteristics. You need fighters sometimes more than strategic people. You need uh, those that can run a lot, uh, score goals, and um, I think that's the same in the, in the startup. And people either evolve with you um, or there is a moment. Um, again, where you then uh, depart. Um, so that's one thing um, on that. Um, we definitely have had um, situations when um, uh, when um, uh, someone was simply not uh, a fit uh, yeah. in regards to how they see themselves and others. And uh, this is a thing there is no, there's a red line with my comfy if you think you're better than others and you show that, um, this, this is not... Uh, going to last and yep. it's important then to act on that and this is the hard thing because you might have someone that's really really good yeah. really really good yeah um but they upset other people and um, then you have to make that tough decision to um um separate yourself from that person that is yeah. maybe one of the best in the field but impacts others yeah. through their ego well what can i say it's actually very refreshing to hear you talk like this because there have been numerous stories, as you're no doubt aware of, uh, the maniacal egos that have taken place in uh, a sort of a, a number of US companies, mm. uh, Uber, WeWork, etc. There have been a number of horror stories that come out. I mean, I can tell, uh, I guess, your authenticity just from sitting here chatting with you. And I think that it's just a very refreshing take because there are way too many startups that it is just win at all costs. Don't worry about the people's side, and you know we'll just deal with you if you're not. Uh, if you're not tough enough to stick it out, well, then you shouldn't be here. I think it's it's rare that people take that other viewpoint and say, well, no, let's go. If you do have too much ego, then you're not. This isn't something mm -hmm. for you. And I think that on that point, I mean, like, where else can you avoid that ego becoming an issue? Obviously, the feedback is a big thing. The hiring, you know, where else have you seen maybe other companies go wrong? Where, you know, what what else can they sort of learn from? Where you know has worked really well for you guys. Um, I think there are a couple of things. Number one, um, um, we always believe it's a race in a startup. Um, and sometimes it's important to look up and understand against whom are we racing against? Um, are yeah. we actually about to lose or not? Do we have some time? So this kind of um, uh, like better, bigger, faster um, is sometimes really uh, um, the issue that you then don't look into really um, bigger problems like your culture. And um, when you hire too fast, and uh, so really looking at that, do we have to yeah. grow that quick, or do we simply grow a little bit uh, slow? Everyone, everyone, a lot of people talk about hire slow, fire fast, but it's so easy said and so difficult yeah. done yeah. when you have, you have uh, a, a big VC behind yeah. you say, hey, numbers, numbers, numbers. So it's important again to uh, understand with whom you work together, what capital you raise, um, and what advice you get. Uh, one thing I always tell people is you need to be. Uh, able to surround yourself with people um, that are able to give you advice that you don't know. So if you know that you are more of a pusher and uh, go go for the for, for the for the quick win, surround yourself with someone that is maybe the opposite um, mm -hmm. and that you really respect. Um, we have been very lucky that we have had um, great advice. Um, 
around um, around uh, growing our team and uh, we were open uh, to that. Is it the right way? I don't know. Maybe we could have grown quicker. Um, we will know in 10 years' time at some yeah. point. Um, <laughs> but um, and maybe I would have tell you, look, maybe we should have put a little less focus on this, but I don't believe on that. Um, I think it's so important you build something with substance. And um, um, yeah, your, your culture, your values will be your foundation um, in the long run. Uh, for sure, the uh, going back to the startup um, and then yeah. the hype. I think the issue really is that as a founder, you need to be this crazy thing that kind of uh, is different to others. Often, you find them um, the guys that were bullied at school, that were kicked out of school, yeah. all these because they were always rebels. And in schools, rebels are usually never the ones that are going to uh, be on top. Um, and uh, um, people will tell you with your startup, this is crazy, it doesn't work. And then you find someone that believes in you and uh, uh, you really um, think you're invincible when you raise capital when you, and then people suddenly pat you, pat you on the back. You, you, it is so difficult to really stay grounded. And I think you see the same thing in the sports world in yeah. music and stuff like that. You find some musicians and sp professional sports people that are super arrogant and yeah. you don't like them. And some are very different um, and are very likable. and. Are uh, um, aware of the ego that um, um, they are not more worth than others. Roger yeah. Federer is one one person, biggest gentleman you will ever meet. Um, he is incredible, and I think people love him because he does have a healthy ego, yeah. a good ego on the on the pitch, on, yeah. on when he when he has a as a match, but off the match, he thinks you know, he's yeah. just a, just a father like like um, like others are. Yeah. yeah. So on that line, I mean charisma. An ego. I mean, where? How do they work together? Where's the line? Because it is true that you know you don't have to have. Well, you have to have someone that's very special leading the company. Clearly, you've got that to, to have grown so fast and have people rallying behind the vision. You know that you guys have got. But uh, where where does that actually? Where does the line between charisma and ego stop? And I mean, maybe it doesn't. It's maybe a, blur, a blurry thing. Um, I think it's very close uh, connected. I think. Um um, to be charismatic, um, when we look at um, what defines charismatic, I think to be charismatic, you need to be present, um, you need to be uh, competent, uh, and you need to be likable. Um, if you look at this, if you are uh, competent and not likable, people see you as arrogant. Yeah. Um, if you are not competent but likable, people see you as needy and weak. So there is this kind of balance. Um, and if you're not present, forget it because you don't realize what's happening. Yeah. Um, but if you are finding the balance, you're always present, you, um, you um, listen actively, uh, you are likable by being um, uh, friendly, supportive, yeah. um, and you're competent. You know your field and you know uh, the game you're playing at. Um, um, you will see that you have a healthy ego at the same time um, yeah. because you need that competence and the confidence, but you need to be likable and present. And I think if you look at that, finding that balance in conversations, finding that balance um, uh, uh, every week and understanding, am I too likable? Am I too uh, not enough confident uh, or competent? Yeah. Do I have to upskill myself somewhere yeah. or do I have to simply listen more? Um, is, um, I think, a healthy... Uh, way of looking at um, yeah. uh, is your ego also in a, in a good balance. And uh, an interesting point, I guess, question on that is that saying yes, uh, people can say yes too much. And when you sort of say that likable notion, is that when when it comes to sort of building your own business, obviously you have to say no to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. How have you found that journey of like the yes versus no? Um, 
I think it depends a bit on the person you are. So I'm, I'm more of a yes person. Yeah. Um, and um, I um, at the wrong times I'm uh, I'm the no no person. So, uh, <laughs> um, and then if you look at uh, at uh, if you look at Sabrina for example or CTO, very different. Um, um, I think um, at the end. Uh, you need to be aware. I think it goes back to self-awareness. If you understand that you are more of a yes person because you like, let's do this, you need to surround yourself with people that say no yeah. and then um, have this conversation. If you're more of a pessimist, then definitely get someone around you that says, hey, but let's do it. Yeah. Um, if you have too much of let's do it, I think you will nosedive. And if you have too much of mm, you will miss that wave yeah. and uh, so I think um, it's really that balance and um, understanding yourself and it is not bad to be a yes person and not bad to be a no person but um, being uh, able to get feedback and then make a like sort of considerate decision based yeah. on what others give you um, yeah but it's difficult like I'm always always trying to push in an area because I think it works out and yeah, yeah. we'll be fine yeah and um, yeah so oh, um, well, what's the, I guess, just to, to wrap up, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I could keep going on all day, but the, uh, what's, I guess, the one, the biggest lesson you've learned from growing your own business, particularly when it comes to your people that, you know, you sort of say now, as you said, looking back to be able to observe that, what's the one thing you would say to anybody else that was out there, either running their own business, thinking about starting a business, even people running their own team, what's the one thing that you've learned that, you know, has so been so impactful with the way you've brought people together? That's a good question. And, um, why I'm thinking that it's it is simply there have been so many so many situations yeah. where um where you say oh, I should have done this differently but again they were part of your learning experience I think one thing that we didn't do early enough and uh, um and it's this kind of um, um struggle for resources is around coaching um uh the team and and, and really identifying um when people get stressed um, it is something in the startup that you're always on the limit um, with your workload and you have to build infrastructure to grow. When you grow two, two, three hundred percent, you, you, um, um, uh, three months later, you, your system is always sort of getting to the limits. And it's, it's this kind of bit when it is so difficult to really find the time to train and coach. And um, um, I've recently um, had an incredible experience um, um, with uh, the KPMG high performance coaching team um, where we were shown the um, impact of coaching. So to cut it all short, we um, were asked to keep our breath for as long as we can. Yep. I tried to make the 30 second mark and I got there, <laughs> just got to the minute and it was like um, yeah. over. Yeah. Um, and after two hours of coaching, just coaching, making us feel safe. Yep. So they told us you can't die by keeping your breath, number one. Yeah. And the record is 12 minutes. So 12 I, minutes? 12 minutes. So by just wow. telling us that, hey, you can't die, so feel safe. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, this is what uh, uh, the capacity is, 12 minutes. Um, and uh, by then giving us some um, really techniques how to breathe and prepare, um, I went from one minute to three minutes, 52 seconds. Wow. And that was mind-blowing because I, I thought it's impossible for me. And I still like think it's like, oh, my God. But it is this kind of thing, creating a safe, a, a safe environment. I knew I can't die. I knew 12 minutes. Wow, that's tough. Um, and really understanding to focus and to breathe. Um, so that was really one thing, understanding the power of, of, of focus. The second um, uh, training then was around we were in the pool and 
keep your breath again, but your body is going to not coach you, but that is going to push you down and shake you around. Just keep your breath, nothing changes. I went from three it's minutes, 52 seconds to 30 seconds again. Wow, okay. right? So the simulation was simply stress. Yeah. Right? So we went then, um, I was able to go from 30 seconds back to one minute by managing the stress. But even this, um, yeah, it was a quarter of my performance by just being stressed. And it's yeah. this kind of impact to understand what impact stress has on your team. Um, it's, it's incredible and how much impact coaching can have. So I would have loved to have this experience earlier and yeah. really started with a coaching program and understanding everyone's stressor to avoid this stress. And everyone is different in stress. Some people get stressed because they have to start early. Some people get stressed because they have to speak in a presentation. Some people get stressed because something happened in life. And yeah. I think it's so important to understand the um, condition and situation of your team um, how stressed are they? What stresses them? And how do you coach them to uh, to get get their four X? And um, yeah, that's I think very powerful. And uh, now in a bit of a longer version of what I would have loved to do earlier. No, it's yeah. amazing. I think I think there's so many takeaways uh, in our chat that people can just just run with in terms of how they can improve the way they they do their team. So look, I'm going to give it a go. Kvirin Schaikofer? No, I didn't know. That was fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you're too kind. Thank, but thank you so much for your time. Um, for all of the people uh, listening, we will put, obviously, in our show notes just some of the key parts uh, and some of the links to uh, some of the things that Kvirin's talked about. But again, thank you so much uh, for your time and congratulations on your success with uh, Made Comfy as well. Yeah, thank you so much for the invite. It was lots of fun and uh, love what you guys do. It's so important and uh, I think so much to learn. So I'm looking forward to the next podcast as well. Excellent. We look forward to it. Thank you. Cheers. That's it for this episode of The Science of Us. If you'd like to learn more about Kvirin Schweikhofer or Made Comfy, check out the show notes. And if you like what you heard, we'd love you to subscribe and to rate us on wherever you get your podcasts. It really does mean a lot. This episode is proudly brought to you by Helix. www.helix.com Helix is a simple feedback system that helps you understand how your team feels so you can drive higher performance no matter where they are. We'll see you next time on The Science of Us.